Hi, I'm Adia Depitan, and welcome to Green Business Builders, a brand new podcast brought to you by the Royal Bank of Scotland. Over the series, I'll be chatting to a range of sustainable businesses working to tackle climate change, and they'll be sharing practical ways that businesses like yours could start to build a lower carbon future today. In this episode, our special guests will be talking about the future of people power. Hannah Harrison, Lawrence Kemble Cook, welcome to Green Business Builders. Guys, it's really, really good to see you. So excited to be here. Thank you for having us <laughs> physically in a space together. It's great to actually be here face to face after being behind Zoom for so long. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what you do and your role in your business. I'm Sustainability Director for WPP, and we are a full-service communications company. We're in over 100 countries around the world, and we help businesses with all of their marketing and communications needs, everything from e-commerce and technology through to advertising campaigns and experiences. And really what we're about is using the power of creativity to build better futures for people, planet, clients, and communities. I like that. I really like that. The power of creativity, using it as a fuel, you know, to energize companies. Advertising has always been about changing the way people feel, the way people think, and hopefully, ultimately, the way people act. And that's exactly what we need to do if we're going to tackle the climate crisis. Lawrence, tell me about yourself. So I'm an inventor, an entrepreneur, and a founder of a business called PaveGen. We're also trying to change people and improve the planet through changing their actions, but we're doing it a different way. We're doing it through the power of a human footstep. So when you walk on my floor, it generates energy from your step. So as you walk along, every step you take will generate small amounts of electricity. We use it to do things like power lights in cities, charge your phone. It can even store the energy. So the more you walk, the more power can be created. I invented it at university and I've spent the last few years turning it into a viable business. So today you can now see soccer pitches in favelas in Brazil where the energy of people playing sport turns the lights on to outside the White House where we power the lights from 10,000 people walking a day. And so our mission is to change the world through the power of a footstep and think how many millions of steps you take in your life that you can actually generate something that is viable and is energy from your steps. Where's the energy coming from? So the way it works, if you're walking across our floor, and you could see it now, it'd be a triangular floor, and underneath each triangle is a small generator that spins. So when you stand on it, it spins a generator that has a series of magnets, copper wire that creates a magnetic induction effect that is effectively energy, similar to what you'd see in a wind turbine, but much smaller and hidden underground. That's awesome. Does it work with wheelchairs? Yes, we are compliant to the ADA, which is the American Disability Act, Mm -hmm. which means it's all-encompassing around the world. So you'll get the energy from my turns if I was going across. Definitely. And the faster you go, the more energy we'd have. So we need to try it out and you can race across the page and see how much power you can create. Yeah, because you do know us wheelchairs. We move far more efficiently than you good old-fashioned two-leggers, as I like to call you guys. So you'll get a lot more energy from us. Exactly. How can tech or innovation and media provide tangible solutions to sustainability? 
at its best, sustainability is all about seeing a commercial and a real world problem from a different angle and finding a new solution. And what's so great about PaveGen is it's taken something that we all do every day and given it a new value and is literally creating something almost out of nothing. Mm. And that for me is what's so exciting about sustainability. It's been incredible to see in the last couple of years how many brands and businesses are embracing sustainability and seeing it as a catalyst to unlock innovation. Now is the era of the entrepreneur. Maybe Mark Zuckerberg made it cool, but it's now really popular to be an entrepreneur. And there's more companies than ever before addressing the climate change issue. It might be from a food standpoint, an energy standpoint, or data, lots of different areas. So I think we're now in the generational entrepreneur where everything is possible. There's a long way to go. But since I started my business, the word sustainability has gone from a dirty word (laughs) to a really great word. When I first started, I made a piece of wood that kind of looked like a floor and you just jumped on it, a light came on. It was so basic. It was held together by chewing gum and bits of duct tape. So I spent five years researching it in my bedroom, trying to make it better, replacing bits of cardboard and wood with bits of metal, making it more resilient. And no one would commit. No company would invest because they were like, look, if you haven't sold it and haven't got revenue, we don't believe it'll work. You're not a proven entrepreneur yet. And then I was like, right, I've got to take this into my own hands. How can I get some funding? So I actually ended up using PaveGen for events, for dance floors. So I took a festival in the Isle of Wight and I got paid a little bit of money and I showed that people liked the product. I then did that a few times and then I raised enough investments that allowed us to move into permanent installations. We needed lots of money to test the product. It's got to work underwater. It's got to take huge forces. And then only now are we finding a product market fit that could lead towards putting it into roads and allowing cars to get there. Yeah, Now, we've got it in airports around the world, from Abu Dhabi Airport to some of the biggest shopping malls in Hong Kong. We even just installed a running track around the fourth story of a building in Hong Kong. And as you run around it, it generates energy on a paved gen track. That's so interesting. Trying to find the right product market fit is probably one of the most essential things in starting a business. It's the holy grail. And I think also you've got to be flexible, right? So you may have a vision. Your dream was, let's put it in roads. And it may take you 10 years to get there. And you've got to be prepared to take some detours on the way. And I work with lots of very big companies who've got some really big problems and searching all the time for the innovations that are going to get there. And then I get to meet amazing startups. And I can sometimes see that there's an opportunity, but the startup is solving for problem A and I've got problem B. And sometimes people aren't ready to give up on problem A yet. So you've got to be, I think, flexible. You've got to be a real pragmatist and an opportunist. And if something comes along that's going to keep you going, keep you alive and get you a little bit closer to your vision, jump on it. Can technology or media help us shape a new narrative, like shifting sustainability from being a burden to an aspirational lifestyle choice? We had some insights around, do people care if they generate their own energy? So we thought, what about if you reward people? So we came up this way that would reward people on their mobile phone. So let's say you're in a Westfield mall and you've got the Westfield app. As you walk in, it pops up saying, hey, you've got 50 steps. Do you know you can get a free coffee with this or you can get a free experience? Because people are selfish in a way. And I'm like, well, let's play the game of consumers. Gamification. Yeah. It's the gamification of technology. Exactly. And if you can gamify it in the right way, it's not a chore. It's easy to do. 
I mean, here's the ultimate communications challenge is we've got to make sustainable lifestyles aspirational and desirable. This can't be about wearing a hair shirt. And you know that goes against every <laughs> grain of what it is to be a human. We want more for our kids and we want to strive for better. And so we have to find new ways of making sustainable more aspirational. I think there's huge power in storytelling. And I think communications is absolutely key to help nudge people along and try new things and shift culture and shift norms. And I think we need to not just think about how we appeal to the dark greens, the early adopters. It's about how we take things mainstream. And actually, there's some great examples out there. Burger King, when they launched their Impossible Burger, their Impossible Whopper has the same taste as a Whopper, but it's got 89% less emissions associated with that patty and the bulk of the people who are eating it are meat eaters you know it's not positioned at vegans Mm. it's positioned at people who enjoy a whopper and that's so critical because we've got to normalize it we've got to shift culture and there's lots of exciting examples out there we've been working with h&m in stockholm to build their first circular experience in a store so you can take your old jumper in and watch in real time as it's turned into something new and that's because they know that 84 percent of clothing ends up in landfill and they want to get away from that make take waste model to a more circular model and we need to value things in a different way and we've got to educate people so communications is critical We're now at the generation of the consumer has the power. I think the spending decisions now of people will affect big business more and more, and the effects are happening. Burger King did so well from selling these vegetable burgers that saved 89% of the carbon. So it's amazing stories. But actually, I think one of the untapped resources is people's pensions. So I think the average pension in the UK is around 100k. So if you can move it to a sustainable fund, that takes the equivalent of six cars off the road. So if you think how many people there are with pensions who are over the age of, say, 50, it could make a massive change. And no one talks about it. And there are startups in this space that are allowing people to have a sustainable diversification of their money and where it goes. So ask the question, be curious, and don't be afraid to make a change. As our brilliant guests can testify, businesses of all shapes and sizes are coming together to reduce their carbon footprint, including the Royal Bank of Scotland too. They believe that a small action today can be felt for decades to come. Whether that's their continued support of climate-focused businesses, the target to be net carbon zero by 2025, or being a lead sponsor of COP26, the UN's climate change summit, taking place in Glasgow. To find out more about the Royal Bank of Scotland's involvement in this year's summit, search for the Royal Bank of Scotland COP26. Now, let's carry on with the show. How can businesses get a grasp of their own environmental impact before leading and implementing change? I think... For me, there's two big challenges. The first is short-term versus long-term. And sometimes there are some trade-offs. Sometimes you have to invest upfront to see that reduction in your running costs in the long run. And sometimes that requires some bravery. I mean, it's not always easy if you're an SME or a startup to find that big cash investment upfront. Exactly. It can be really tough. And the other challenge, I think, 
can sometimes be that perfection can get in the way of progress, that (laughs) no business is perfect and everyone's on a journey. And sometimes I think people are scared to talk about the good stuff they're doing because they're worried about the problem they haven't yet fixed. And I think we've all got to be brave and we've got to accelerate the journey that we're on. It doesn't mean just because you haven't fixed everything, it doesn't mean that you can't do some good. Mm. I guess it can feel overwhelming. How do we focus and pinpoint within our businesses what we should be doing? First of all, talk about it and listen. People have great ideas and people are really passionate and you've got to start where there's the most energy, personal energy from your colleagues. So actually for us, a real step change was making a commitment to phase out single-use plastics across all of our offices. And that came from our people and it came from the fact that, you know, we have a very young workforce and we had a lot of people who felt like they didn't recycle in the way in the office that they did at home and they wanted to bring that to the workplace. So have a look at what you use in your office. Is your recycling bin in the easiest place so that it's the path of least resistance? It feels small, but it can start moving in the right direction. And I think as a business, especially for smaller businesses, you have to understand what's your superpower? Where can you have the most impact and where are you going to focus? We've been looking at virtual production and how you can recycle content. And of course, we're always going to go on location. We're always going to shoot, but we want to make that go further and work harder for our clients. And we can use technology now to properly label and archive all the content we've got so you never have to refilm something similar. We don't need to fly people around the world. We can do pre and post production in a much smarter, much more efficient way. And that's saving huge amounts of emissions and delivering better quality products for our clients. It's only when you can measure and understand exactly where those emissions are coming from that you can start to address them and tackle them. And it enables you to break this really big, scary problem of climate change down into much more bite-sized, manageable chunks. It's the one thing that all businesses are banging their head against the wall now, trying to understand the true environmental impact. If I was a microphone manufacturing business, I would go to the factory that makes all of my components, understand how much energy they're using per year, and then look at what materials they're using. And there's an embodied energy calculation for this. Then look at, is it coming on a boat or plane, a truck? And there's a calculation of how it's being transported. And then only then can you understand the true embodied energy of that component. And then imagine doing that across a whole business. So an electronic business. Blow your mind, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's a lifetime of work for some of these companies. I think sustainability for businesses now, it's about if your business ceased to exist tomorrow, how would the world be worse off? What is it that you're doing that makes the world a better place without sounding too cheesy? So ask questions. Every time you think about which supplier to buy your paperclips from, you have an opportunity to influence how they behave. So ask lots of questions and start small Fantastic advice. And I heard a saying that the real innovators think in questions because you'll always constantly be challenging yourself. Hannah, what gives you hope for the future? Well, so I joined WPP a couple of years ago and it's been such an exciting time to join the company because 
it's in the middle of transforming itself. We actually call ourselves a creative transformation company. The worst time to try and push sustainability in a business is when the status quo is working. The best time is when there's a lot of change going on. Which is right now. Which is right now. And there's a lot of change going on in our business, but across all of our clients as well and in society. So it's been really exciting and it feels like everyone's really up for the challenge. And if I look forward five years, I mean, we've just set ourselves some very stretching carbon targets. We aim to be net zero across our own operations by 2025 and across our value chain by 2030. But within that, you know, in five years time, 80% of our people are going to be working in net zero campuses run completely on renewable electricity. And we're aiming to cut 84% of the emissions from our business. So that is a huge transformation. But what I'm hoping that will do is attract the right people into our business and help inspire and empower our people to look beyond our own operations to the impact that we can have with our suppliers and partners and through the work that we do. I mean, our work reaches billions of people every year and we can help to accelerate this transition that we need in society. Lawrence, what gives you hope for the future? So I have hope for technology and its adoption. So you know, who would have thought the electric car would be so cool now? When it first came out, these things were 200,000 bucks, didn't look very nice and had a really short range. Now they're very cool and you see them all over London. And that wasn't the case before. And then if you go bigger picture, you know, we're now seeing the first solar arrays that are being installed in Australia that will send the power for a subsea cable to Japan. Now these projects are on an unprecedented level. So we're seeing mega projects get off the ground and even stuff like I'm seeing now projects that people have thought about for years only just get funding. So there's a new system that is transporting, and hear me out, it's quite a crazy one, but I've got hope because this is real. It's a hill, and they have a train line that transports lumps of concrete from the bottom of the hill to the top using renewable energy when there's lots of it. So when the wind's blowing, all these blocks are brought up the hill. And they're left at the top of the hill, and then whenever we need the energy they come down again and they generate energy as they're taken down again. And we're talking, all you need is a hill and some concrete and some technology. But actually, these things are happening and people are investing in them. So actually, I've got hope that macro projects are going to get funded by big businesses that Hannah's working with. They're taking it seriously. They're walking the walk, not just talking the talk now. We've seen some really exciting, ambitious targets being set by businesses. And they're going to be really game-changing. I mean, whether it's Microsoft is going to remove all of the carbon it's ever emitted by 2050, it's going to be carbon regenerative. And IKEA has committed to be a completely circular business by 2030. And that's driving innovation. It's driving the way they innovate. It's driving how their supply chain thinks. So, you know, I think there's lots to be hopeful about. I think as well, I'm hopeful that we've busted a lot of myths in the last 12 months. In the UK, the NHS has been quite resistant to change around virtual appointments and we've completely transformed the way healthcare has had to work. And there's a lot that hasn't worked and there's going to be some huge challenges. But in my business, I think if you told us two years ago that we wouldn't be able to fly and we'd be pitching for work 
remotely, I think a lot of us would have worried whether we would be able to do that and survive. And actually, we're thriving. And maybe it's given us some courage and bravery to challenge the status quo. Hannah Harrison, Lawrence Kemble-Cook, I am overjoyed to have spoken to both of you today. Good luck with what you're doing. And yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. It's been really cool. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Green Business Builders and our guests, Lawrence Kemble-Cook and Hannah Harrison. Well, I've definitely learned a lot more about the role of media and innovation in sustainability. And you now have some valuable takeaways that you can start applying to your business. The Royal Bank of Scotland aims to help you start moving towards your dream green business today. For more support, simply search the Royal Bank of Scotland Green Business Hub for practical articles, videos and more. Until next time.